0: Homeward is committed to partnering with parents and equipping you with the resources you need to raise your kids to become responsible adults, and Steadfast Companies, a leading real estate investment company, is proud to partner with Homeward to bring you the following podcast presentation.
1: There really are no magic formulas for raising faithful children. If if there were, everybody would know them, and all of our kids would turn out perfect, so we need to unhook people from that right away.
0: Oh, if only our kids came with an owner's manual, a set of instructions. Not that the dads would read them, of course, because we don't like to read those things. But every parent's worst nightmare is the fact that we're going to mess up our kids because we didn't follow the plan. And yet, uh, the words you just heard are from pastor and author and father of six, Rob Reno, uh, talking about the fact that we are going to make mistakes. The question is, how do we help our kids move into the adult years and bring their faith with them? Today on the Homeward Broadcast, part two of a continuing conversation with pastor and author Rob Reno, talking with parenting and family expert Dr. Jim Burns about drawing your adult child back to Christ. From the studios of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family on the campus of Azusa Pacific University, welcome to Homeward with parenting and family expert Dr. Jim Burns. I'm Roger Marsh, and now here's Jim.
2: Welcome to Homeward. I'm Jim Burns. A continuing conversation today with Rob Reno. We're talking about drawing your adult child back to Christ. You know, so many parents are heartbroken because their kids were raised in the church. They raised them in the church. They prayed for their kids. Their joy and their excitement was that because they put some energy there and because they had a good church that their kids were going to stay in faith and they walk. And so many kids today walk during high school. They walk after high school. In fact, the percentages are horrible. And as many of you know from a youth ministry background, because that was my background, um, it's one of the stains of our world that kids are walking away. And yet it's also the, the heartbreak of so many parents. Well, today we have Rob Reno with us. We're talking about drawing your adult child back to Christ. Uh, as Rob said, two-thirds of empty nest couples have at least one child who is strayed away from the faith. And so, you know, we know this pain well, and I can't think of a better person to be talking with than Rob. Rob is the head of Visionary Family Ministries. It's a great ministry. He's a popular conference speaker, uh, author of Visionary Parenting, Visionary Marriage, and God's Grand Vision for the Home. And uh, he is married to Amy, and they are the proud parents of uh, the visionary parents, I'll say, of six awesome kids. And uh, we're excited to have him on the broadcast again. Uh, Rob, welcome back. Thank you so much. So these days, when Christian parents who raise their kids in the church look up and all of a sudden they see their kids walking away, they are in shock. We've been talking about this, but they're, they're in shock. Talk about some of the reasons why this is taking place.
1: Well, you're absolutely right, and this is what's happening over and, and over again, because so many of our parents are saying, you know, but I did everything right. You know, we tried to be good people. Right. We tried to have a good home. We brought our kids to church. We tried to do all these things. And, you know, one of the things that I'm sure we'll talk about is that, that there really are no magic formulas right. for raising faithful children. If, if there were, everybody would know them, and all of our kids would turn out perfect. So we need to unhook people from, uh, from that right away. But really what, what ended up happening for the past couple generations is uh, most parents have really been trained by our culture to be delegation parents. So you want your kid to learn basketball. You get him a coach. You want him to learn piano. You get him a teacher. You want to learn math. You get him a tutor. You want him to learn Jesus. You get him a Sunday school or a youth group. And really, you, you just drive the minivan. You just drop them off at all the experts who are going to uh, pass whatever content you want passed to your kids. And listen, I'm, I'm all for the math teacher and the the coach and and all these things, and the the church's role in coming around our family. But when it comes to passing faith to our kids or really impressing the hearts of our kids with a love for God, uh, this is a job that really can't be delegated. And unfortunately, my generation was taught that you can delegate it, and we're reaping the results.
2: Exactly. You know, it's an incredible illustration that you give, uh, I I remember, in your book, uh, When They Turn Away. You know, you talked about delegation parenting. I thought, my goodness, we're all guilty of of that. And yet there's positive sides to it, too. So we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but when it comes to faith issues, it's much, much stronger when they do receive— faith instruction and faith conversations in the home. Let, let me give you an illustration. My daughter Christy is my oldest, and actually she's getting married in less than two weeks, and is a wonderful kid. When she went away to a Christian college, she wrote in her senior paper that she had to disown her parents' faith during Christian college years to own her own faith. Now, Kathy and I were only somewhat aware of that, because when she was back home, she was always at church. We did She would Played the worship band. She, you know, was the president of Fellowship of Christian Athletes for her high school. I mean, this was an active kid. In college, we didn't see it wane that much because when she was home, you know, she was active still in in the church and, and you know prayed at the table and all these kind of things. But she said she had to disown our faith to own her own faith. Now, what's interesting, now that she's a young adult and that she's uh, on the brink of getting married to a wonderful guy, etc., the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. She's a lot like us. Her faith is a lot like us. But there was a season where she had to pretty much reject our faith. Do you see that happening?
1: Well, I, I think the, the season of rejection for some kids certainly is true. It, it may be too strong a word, but I think we would all say that we want our kids to have an extended season of serious evaluation, of, of, of answering for themselves, will they, as an individual young man, an individual young woman, is it the desire of their heart, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to live for God and be a Christian? They can't ride on our coattails forever into adulthood. There's just no question about that. But I, I think about, and you've seen this, I know, uh, as a youth worker over the years, uh, so many high school students get getting baptized in a church service or on a mission trip, and I used to hear these testimonies. They would start with, I grew up in a Christian home, but it wasn't until I went on this mission trip, it wasn't until I went on that retreat that God became alive for me. And I remember being so excited about that testimony as a youth pastor that, "All oh, right, man, we, we did this thing, God worked. And I, and I say, praise God. I mean, I praise God for whatever it takes to get that young person fully engaged with their faith. Now, as a parent of a teenager... I think about if my son were to stand up at a baptism service and say, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, but that really didn't make a huge spiritual impact on me. What made a huge spiritual impact on me was going on that retreat. Now, half of me would say, okay, praise God, Lord, whatever yeah. it takes. <laughs> you know, but the other part of me would say, oh, my, you just spent 15, 16, 17 years in this house, and what you saw in our home with our struggles and our prayers and our confessions and our ministry together, that didn't impact your heart in the deepest place. I'd be brokenhearted over that. Yeah.
2: You know, it's, it's interesting because that does happen every day. I mean, there are, there are some really good people who have kids who still, who still walk away. Yes. And so there's these prodigal kids. And in your book, when they turn away, you talk about the fact that one of the issues and a powerful gift a parent can give to their prodigal children is forgiveness. Talk about that.
1: Well, this one's hard to hard to talk about because we don't like to face it, but one of the obstacles in ministering to an adult child or or ministering to a prodigal child is sometimes we can have a lot of anger and bitterness and resentment built up toward that child. So maybe they have said things or done things over the years that have deeply hurt us or brought shame on the family or or whatever it, it, it may be. You know, one of Satan's strategies to keep that parent on the sideline of reaching out to that adult child is if they can get if the enemy can get that parent angry and bitter at their own yeah. kid, and so it's a it 's a strange thing to talk about, but one of the kind of prerequisites to reaching out to prodigal children is to really go to God personally and privately and and ask the Lord God, is there any bitterness or anger in my heart toward this child? Are there any areas where I just need privately to you to Uh, forgive them for things that they've said, for things that they've done. Because part of the way I explain it to parents is this. If you are going to re-engage in trying to reach your child spiritually, or even just build a new relationship with your adult child, because that's really the prerequisite, you're probably going to hit some rough times. You're probably going to get rejected. You're probably going to get hurt. It's probably not going to go so well. So if you are filled up with all the past hurt, there's no way you're going to go back in for more. So we've got to through the power of the Holy Spirit, forgive the past stuff so that we can go back and get hurt again, if that makes sense, um, for the sake of reaching our kids.
2: Yeah, and, and you actually had a great illustration when you used the word bitterness. You talked about a particular plant, I think, if I'm not mistaken, yep. in Africa. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, well, the, the fastest growing tree in the world uh, is the Albizia falcata, close to Africa, Malaysia.
2: Malaysia. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and um, you, you plant this seed in the ground and for five years, just nothing happens. And then in the fifth year grows 30 feet in 30 oh days. Goodness. Oh my goodness. A foot a day. Now they they say I was in a Malaysia a couple years ago at a conference. I I didn't get to see one I really wanted to. They say you can hear it grow, you know, it cracks and things like that. And so you ask yourself, well, was was nothing happening for those 5 years? And of course the answer is no. The plant was growing roots in hundreds of feet in all directions and it wasn't until it had the strength to blast out of the ground that it did. And I know in in my life, after my parents divorced in high school, my dad was unfaithful to my mom. Boy, I had some seeds of bitterness and anger plant in my heart, and I I ignored them. I really didn't deal with it because, oh, time heals all wounds, and I'm just going to take the high road and blah, blah, blah. Um, But what was happening is that those seeds were really growing roots. And later in my life, uh, sometimes months, even years later, out was blasting from my heart some very ugly things. So if we're not careful, if we don't deal with the hurt and the pain and the anger that we can have toward our own children, you know, Hebrews 12, uh, 15 says, See to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. If there is anger and bitterness and resentment in your heart, it is going to grow up. It is going to cause trouble. It is going to defile many. But thankfully, Jesus died on the cross. He rose again from the dead. And so there's literally supernatural power from God to help us Uh, forgive our children for things they've done and heal our hearts.
2: Great, great input. Listen, the book is called When They Turn Away, Drawing Your Adult Child Back to Christ. Rob Reno is the author. He uh, is also the head of Visionary Family Ministries, and you can get more information at that.
0: Visionaryfam.com, Roger. Yeah, we've got that up on our Facebook today, and it's Rob Reno, R I E. N-O-W is the way you spell his name if you're uh, looking for him on Google, if you're trying to find his books on Amazon or wherever else they're sold. And like Jim mentioned, we've got a link uh, to visionaryfam.com on our website when you go to homeward.com at hit the radio broadcast tab. And while you're at homeward.com, browse a while. Sign up for the Good Advice Parent Newsletter. It comes your way every month and uh, find some helpful tips that can help you uh, draw your adult child back to Christ, for example. The Good Advice Parent Newsletter comes your way every month. As I mentioned, it is free, but you do need to sign up for a subscription and you can do that at homeward.com. That's H-O-M-E-W-O-R-D.com. And now let's continue with the conclusion of today's edition of the Homeward Broadcast. Here once again, Dr. Jim Burns. Welcome back. I'm
2: Jim Burns. Great conversation today with Rob Reno. This is why we do Homeward on the broadcast because we can help a lot of parents with this conversation. And actually, it's a very hopeful conversation. Now, there are some parents, Rob, who basically feel beat up today because they they didn't do this, this kind of stuff that you're talking about, and their kids are already adults. What kind of suggestion would you give to the parent who says, "Man, I blew it in every way, and I was a..." delegation parent, didn't realize that that was a bad thing. I actually thought it was a good thing, and now I'm waking up, looking at my kids, and, you know, they're not raising uh, their own children in the ways of the Lord, and I feel really, really bad about myself. What do you say to them?
1: Well, first thing you do is you reject the lie that it's too late for you to make a difference. You know, there's, there's, uh, the Bible's filled with so many parenting principles, and I have yet to find one with an asterisk next to it. And you go down to the bottom and you say, hey, this one expires when your kid's 18. I made a big mistake when we first started having kids. I thought that little children took a lot of time, and that the older (laughs) my kids got, the less time they would take.
2: (laughs) Me, too. Oh, boy, (laughs) that's
1: just totally, totally upside down. So the older our kids get, the more time they need. And the thing, I've discovered is that that it's because the relationship requires so much more time to nurture. So the first thing you do is you just reject the lie that it's too late. As long as you've got breath, as long as your child has breath, it's not too late for God to use you to impact their life for Christ. We then, in in the book, we talk about four biblical principles, offering your heart to the Lord, turning your heart to your child, drawing your child's heart to yours, and then pointing your child's heart to Christ. You know, so far we've been talking some about, you know, offering your yes. heart to the Lord with prayer, with repentance. Turning your heart to your child is from Malachi 4, asking God to make it the mission of your life to reach your child for Christ. This third one um, is, I think it's probably the most unusual, uh, certainly the feedback that we get, people kind of cock their heads and say, what did you say? Draw your child's heart to yours. This is Proverbs 23:26, where uh, a father writes to his son, and he says, my son, give me your heart. Give me your heart. And I know that there's no two stories that are the same, Jim, with prodigal kids, but I have found that there has been one common factor in every prodigal story that I've heard, and maybe I'm wrong, but this is just my experience, that every parent of a prodigal can tell me a time, junior high, high school, college, whenever it was, that they first noticed their son or daughter taking their heart away from them. In other words, keeping secrets from them, not letting them in, one-word answers, bristling in conversations. And they look back and they see that as kind of a turning point for when they sort of lost this relationship or lost this spiritual connection with their kids. So if we're going to regain... Spiritual connection with our kids we've got to rebuild heart connection we've got to rebuild relationship I'll be honest with you some parents are so eager to sit their kids down to lecture them sit them down to preach at them sit them down to express all their concerns about this this and this and this and this and it feels like they're talking to the wall and that's because they are because their child's taken their heart away from them they don't feel respected by their parent they don't feel genuinely cared for by the parent they feel lectured by the parent And so a lot of the the cultivating work we have to do is simply trying to rebuild a loving, warm, respectful relationship with our kids.
2: Yeah, that's great. And and actually, I underlined in in your book, you said the shortest distance between your child's heart and Jesus is you. Right. And yet that's not, it's it's complicated. It's not always easy, you know, especially when a kid is kind of walking away. You draw an interesting parallel to parenting kids kind of through the rebellious teen years uh, and climbing Mount Everest. Yeah. I want you to unpack that for
1: us. Sure, okay. All right, let's imagine we're going to climb Mount Everest, and uh, we've paid our Sherpa the $60,000 to to carry our gear and guide us on the mountain. And uh, when you climb Everest, you climb up to 26,000 feet, and that's your final base camp before you summit at 29,000 and then get back down to base camp at 26. And they call this the death zone, all right? So if you're going to die, Jim, on your climb, that's where you're going to die pretty much. So you climb. I'm not going to be on the climb, so
2: I'll, I may die, but I'm not going <laughs> to die about <Everest. laughs>
1: You climb up to 26,000 feet, and your Sherpas look at you, and they say, you are the best climber we have ever seen. You have not even broken a sweat. We are going to let you summit tomorrow by yourself. We'll wait here at base camp. You just come back down when you're done. Now, of course, you would be furious, sure. right? I mean, you would be, look, I did not pay you $60,000 to get me to base camp. I right. paid you to get me through the right. death zone. And from a parenting standpoint, that is junior high, high school, college, young adulthood. I mean, that's the death zone. That's when our kids are making decisions that literally can affect the rest of their lives. And that's also when our culture says that parents should stop climbing with their children. Right? That's the time for you to stay in base camp. Let them climb on ahead, even though they're going into the death zone. So we really try to plead with parents that as your children enter those ages, they need you closer to them in your relationship and heart connection and spiritual, they need you more than they've ever needed you before. Right.
2: Well, it's, and, and you're so right. And yet at the same time, kids learn from their mistakes. Yep. So some parents may be hearing this and you're so right. And yet some parents may be hearing this and saying, well, then what I need to do is, is carry this monkey on my back. I need to do everything for my kid so that they won't have any kind of pain because I'm going to try to make it all better. And then they go away to college and they're blown away because their kid's You know, didn't accept all this. How does a parent release their kids to become responsible adults while at the same time keeping close to them with their heart?
1: Right. Well, the reality is is as our kids get older, they do separate from us more and more. Okay. So my teenager driving a car, my teenager getting a job, my teenager physically being away from me much more than when he was three, five, uh, eight, and 10. So physically our lives are separating and Praise God. That is exactly the way it ought to be. I want to launch him, right, Psalm 127, as an arrow out into the world for Christ. So at some point, son, get out of here, right, physically. But at the same time, we are now entering a stage in our relationship as father and son where mentoring and shepherding and coaching are so, so critical. I mean, imagine this. Let's imagine that we've got a 24-year-old young man, and he uh, discovers at his workplace, at his first job, He discovers at his workplace that the boss is embezzling money. And he walks out of the office at 5 o'clock that afternoon, and he says, oh, my goodness, I have got to call my dad. My dad will know how to handle this. And if the line is busy, I'm calling Grandpa, because Grandpa will know how to handle this. Now, is that the standard way that story would go?
2: No, but it should be.
1: But it should be. That's exactly right. And so the only way you get that story is by having your hearts tied together during that time. And the thing that I didn't understand when my kids were younger is that it takes so much time for me to build and maintain that heart connection with my teenagers. Life is so crazy and so busy with work and other kids and all of this kind of stuff. And a month can go by without a heart-to-heart conversation with my teenage son.
2: Yeah, it's 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 so true, and yet we, we just want to do that. We need to make it happen. It has to be a priority, and sometimes we get attractive distractions, or sometimes we even allow, quote-unquote, God projects to get in the way of our relationship with our children. And, yep. and you had that in 2004 and kind of had this wake-up call. Now, Rob, you uh, mentioned this, but probably, as your book talked about, one of the greatest uh, causes for hurt you ever experienced was from your own dad— and yet, you talk about the fact that in a typical home, there's kind of a low supply of father's words or spiritual nurture. And you say a father's words of spiritual nurture and instruction are powerful and priceless. Talk to the people who maybe had a relationship with their dad like you did. I mean, maybe their dad totally blew it. Their dad wasn't their role model. And so there's a lot of men who are listening who may say, great, but I don't have a, a, you know a clue how to, how to bring uh, nurture and instruction to my own children.
1: Yeah, well... Again, we're not talking about, hey, we have got to become perfect, holy, mature Christians before we can begin shepherding the hearts of our kids. If that was the case, then forget it. You're never, ever going to get there. But again, as dads, is it the number one mission of your life to impress the hearts of your children with a love for God? Is it? Do you wake up in the morning with a passion to lead your family or with a passion to check your email? For me, many years, it was the latter. Wake up in the morning. I got to get out of here because I got to go do my stuff. As opposed to, man, the number one reason why God made me was as a married person to love and serve and lead my wife, and then to lead our family toward the Lord. I've got secondary ministries out there in the world. I'm a pastor at church. I'm, you know, speaking and encouraging other people. But those things are secondary. So. Again, I, I go back for dads to the issue of the heart, and is our heart truly engaged? And I think our kids know it. I think our kids know exactly where our hearts are. I remember my teenage son was three. We were walking to church, and he looked at me, and he said, Is this where you live, Daddy? Mm. Mm. No. No, I did not sleep at church. I slept at, at home. and so, But his question was more of a question not so much of where did I live, but where was my my heart? And this is this Malachi 4, Luke chapter 1 passage of that God the Holy Spirit wants to turn the hearts of fathers to their children so that the hearts of children will turn back to their fathers.
2: Well, that's a great way for us to end it. I realize there's so much more conversation. I barely touched on uh, many, many of the incredible uh, points to this particular book. Rob Reno, thank you so much for being with us.
1: Well, it's a privilege, and I'm really grateful for your ministry.
2: Thank you so much. Roger, one of the things I was thinking is last weekend, I had an experience where I was preaching at a church, and I was actually talking on my topic was Deuteronomy, six, four through nine, exactly what Rob was talking about. And I met a grandpa, and I, I knew this family pretty well. In fact, the, there there's about three or four pews, and I mean pews. This church had pews. A lot of the churches that I met don't have pews. Your church has pews. And it was kind of the grandma and grandpa, and then it was all these families. And one of the family members um, is one of my best friends. As you well know, John Wallace, who's the president of Azusa Pacific, his wife was there because this is her father, and also their daughter, Kate. And so I, I had a chance to meet this this man, Mr. Vaughn. I can't think of his first name. And he looked at Kate. He said, nice to meet you, Jim. Thanks for the talk. But he looked at Kate and he said, Kate, did you get my email? You know, I pray for you every day, and I want to know any requests. And here was a grandpa Who was looking at his granddaughter and he told me that he had 17 of them but he was looking at his his granddaughter and said kate looked in her eyes and said kate i pray for you every day and although that grandpa doesn't even live in the same area as his granddaughter kate you know he's connecting spiritually on a daily basis parents can do that grandparents can do that and really in many ways that's what we're talking about today in terms of you know he was talking to a young adult she's probably in her 20s she's in her low 20s saying I pray for you. I'm not sure how much more connection there is, but the beauty of, of Mr. Vaughn, who's praying for his grandkids, and then looking visually, I looked in their last service, I was, that whole family was there, and I looked out and I went, my goodness, they take up half the side of this one church. That's legacy. That's Legacy. Great to have Rob with us today. Yeah,
0: Legacy is so very, very important. I should mention before we leave the air today that Rob Reno's books uh, from Visionary Family uh, Ministries, visionaryfam.com, there's Visionary Parenting, Visionary Marriage, and the book we're talking about today, which is When They Turn Away, uh, Tips for Drawing Your Adult Child Backed to Christ, and you can find the link to Rob's site at homeward.com, and uh, we appreciate the fact that uh, you have been a part of today's edition of the program, whether you're listening to us on the air, online, or via the podcast. Uh, We are able to produce these programs and distribute them through various media sources because of your prayers and faithful financial support. We're coming up on the end of our fiscal year. We'd really love to be able to finish that year on solid financial footing as we move into the summer months. Your tax-deductible donation will help us get there. Uh, If you can give a gift, please do so online at Homeward.com. Or you can call for more information at 800-397-9725. And now for Dr. Jim Burns, our engineer, Ben Camp, and the rest of the staff, I'm Roger Marsh. Thanks so much for listening. Join us again next time right here for another edition of Homeward, where parents get real answers. Homeward with Jim Burns is a production of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University.